morning. Uh, I'm Andrea, for those of you I don't know, and I'm part of the College of Preachers here at the table, which normally we hear from a little more frequently. So it's exciting to be able to share again this morning. And that's the College of Preachers is just a cohort of folks, ordained folks and lay people at the table um, who share in proclaiming good news each Sunday. So I really do count it as a blessing to be able to proclaim the good news this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's this passage in John chapter 6 where Jesus says to the disciples, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And the disciples understandably say to him, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And I think that as I read the gospel passage this morning, my reaction, um, especially initially, is very much, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? For a lot of reasons. And I'm curious if some other people maybe feel that way as they read. So I thought it would just be important to acknowledge off the bat. There's a lot of imagination in the history of the church for hearing these texts in a very redemptive way. Um, and I just don't have time this morning to get into a lot of those details and to flesh that. But there's a lot of imagination beyond sinners in the hands of an angry God or heaven's gates, hell's flames, which is kind of where my mind goes. <laughs> it leaves me feeling a little troubled. <laughs> so I just want to offer that assurance before as we get started and just recommend if you feel that uneasiness or grow away this morning kind of easiness about the text, um, there's some good starting places since I don't have time to get into it. The beginnings and endings sermon series on the table website that Father Ben and Father Matt did last fall. Um, that's a great that's a great reference. And then, of course, feel free to reach out to me or Father Ben, Father Matt, Deacon Spencer, any number of leaders at the table if there are just questions or things where you kind of just feel troubled about it. Uh, this morning, though, I want to turn to proclaiming some good news in the passage that. I would invite us to steep in today, uh, kind of starting at verse 27. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Today, we proclaim good news. In fields of sorrow, struggle, and injustice, God is nourishing and transforming every tender seedling into a mature plant overflowing with the fullness of God's life and love. Let not your hearts be weary or anxious, but rest in the hands of your merciful gardener. I think oftentimes when many of us who are Western Christians we hear these stories of who's in, who's out, and we actually read them from a perspective of being in. We have privilege and power, and we read from that position, and along with all of the concerns and questions that come with it. But it's helpful to remember that for Jesus and the disciples, they are hearing these stories as people who are out. In this section of Matthew's Gospel, just right before Jesus is teaching these parables, the Pharisees have accused Jesus of being in cahoots with Beelzebul, the prince of demons. So his own religious leaders are pretty much declaring that his teaching is out, his, his um, leadership is out. 
He's without honor in his own hometown. That happens right before this parable section. And right following after this parable section, John the Baptist, who comes proclaiming the kingdom of God, is beheaded by Herod. And we all know later on um, in the book of Matthew that Jesus is going to be crucified. So according to many of the opinions of Jesus and his ministry and the disciples, Jesus and his followers are the ones who are out. They are the bad seed. They are the weeds. So when Jesus explains this parable to the disciples, we hear a word of assurance to them. No, I, the son of man, I, the human one, in the translation that Spencer read this morning, I am sowing good seed. You are growing into a good harvest in God's kingdom. And I can hear the disciples thinking in their minds, how can this be? The son of man is being rejected. We're being rejected with him. Eventually, Jesus is going to be crucified. The church is going to be persecuted very heavily at times. How can this be the kingdom of God in our midst? When we look around, we see weeds, weeds, weeds. And I think we very much are in touch with this question in this moment of time. We are very aware right now of systemic racism, of injustice. We are living in a pandemic full of grief and isolation, depression, anxiety, We are noticing food scarcity, amplified violence all around us. If the kingdom of God has come, I think it is easy to ask, why does our world look like a field full of weeds? And in the midst of this, I think I can find myself with the servants wanting to say to God, pull up the weeds already. If the kingdom of God has come, let's see it. But in the space of the now and the not yet, we get a glimpse into how God is redeeming the world. When Jesus says, no, don't pull up the weeds. While you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In my anxiety and frustration, my mode is, let's take control of this. Let's get this fixed as quickly as possible, whatever that means, just to make something happen. But the impulse in view and how God is looking up the good creation that he's made and how God is approaching redemption, that his impulse is to tend and to nurture in order to preserve life. And when Jesus talks about wheat grow alongside the wheat, I understand this literal reality that God's talking about. Um, for In the summer, our family does a ton of gardening. We spend a lot of hours doing this. And we've definitely noticed that when the little seedlings pop up, you'll see spots where the weeds are coming up with it. And if you try to pull up that weed while the seedling is still very small and not very deeply rooted, you will, you'll lift the entire thing out. It takes some time to let the roots, the roots get established and for the plant to get larger in order to be able to, to pull up the weeds. And in this explanation from Jesus, I think we get a glimpse into the mystery of God's redemption, that there is mystery in how he bears with evil in the world, with all the things that aren't good in order and nurture and preserve good fruit. In that tending and in that nurturing impulse, I think of another gardening story from someone here in our church, Josie shared when she was planting her seedlings. You know, you have to thin the plants out as they're popping up to create space for the plants to grow. And she said, oh, I just, I always feel like so sad to have to pull, to like thin the plants. I don't want to pull any of them out. She's like, you know, she's getting attached to them. She's seeing them grow, she's seeing them thrive. And so it's just painful for her to have to pull them out. And I know that analogy falls a little short because here we're talking about God, like not pulling up the, not pulling up the seedlings, but I think just her heart in that 
and her care and that tenderness that she has toward these plants that she's nurturing is so reflective of God's, of God's posture and the invitation that God offers that his love and mercy are at work, even as we see the weeds in our world and in our own hearts. In, in fields of sorrow, struggle, and injustice, God is nourishing and transforming and seedling into a mature plant overflowing with the fullness of God's life and love. Let not your hearts be weary or anxious, but rest in the hands of your merciful gardener. I know that in the midst of this pandemic, I feel a very deep need for this good news. Um, just if, uh, one of the ways that I'm really feeling this right now, uh, I was talking with Amanda Bowers just a few weeks, uh, not very long ago, as part of our discipleship group, our DNA groups that we do here at the table. And I was just sharing with her the grief that I've been facing in parenting during this time of having an only child who's not able to be around other kids and play, not able to be in school. I'm just recognizing that our children have these needs, these social needs. And in all of his, of all of Michael's life, we've been able to give him what he needs. We've been able to shelter him. We've been able to give him food. We've been able to give him love. But here in this time of pandemic, I think this conversation with Amanda helped me realize, I feel like I'm not able to provide my child with something that he needs to thrive. And as we talked through that bad news, I think I began to hear this good news of God saying to me, Andrea, I know what you need. And I know what Michael needs. And I can take the things that are not good, the things that are meant for evil, and I can transform them into something good. And just sitting in that, that good news of God's care and his tending and his preservation allows me to let go of those anxieties about all the ways I'm failing, all the things I should do or could do, and to just be able to rest in the joy of being with Michael in this time of loving him just as I am with what I have and knowing that God is at work in him too. I think so often in our anxieties, we just jump into trying to grasp for control or we scapegoat and we say, cut the weeds, just cut the weeds. God, if you would just cut down all the weeds, we would, everything would be fine. We'd be well if the weeds were gone. Or another thing we do is if we're frustrated and weary, we just give up. Nothing's going to change. What's the point? This morning, God is inviting us into an alternative vision of trust. God is nourishing and transforming you. God is nourishing and transforming our world. Let not your hearts be weary or anxious, but rest in the hands of your merciful gardener. Where do you look around this morning and see a field full of weeds? This might be in the structures and systems of our world in racism, in economic justice. So many things, so many things could fill in the blank. What might it look like to trust God this morning, to trust that he's at work and cares about it more than we do, that my efforts mean something and my anger means something, but I don't have to have it all figured out or be responsible for cutting down the weeds. This might be in your family, in your parenting, in your marriage, in the relationships that are very near and dear to you. What might it look like to trust that my gifts and my personality and my values are doing good work, that it is a gift not to be everything at all times, and that I don't have to feel shame and anxiety because of my lack? 
This might be in the loss of hopes that you've had or goals or plans that you've had, especially not getting to go to school, not getting to be with friends. What might it look like this morning to recognize my lot, to recognize my loss, to acknowledge that this loss isn't good, to grieve, and to know that God's presence is there in the midst of the grief, to be able to look and say, surely God was here in this place. Or maybe that is in the space of your own heart of saying, why am I still struggling with this thing? Why can't I change? What might it look like this morning to face my failing and my fallings as a beloved child of God, as a tender seedling that God looks upon with delight and joy? This morning, in your fields of weeds, God is nourishing and transforming you into a mature plant overflowing with the fullness of God's life and love. Rest in the hands of your merciful gardener. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.